Hey everybody, it's Matt, your co-host of Twin Peaks Peaks. Just cutting in at the top of this episode to uh, firstly let you know there might be some audio weirdness. I can't go back and check through the entire hour and a half for any real irregularities, but uh, this week we changed up our recording setup and some knobs got twisted in directions that they shouldn't have or something. Uh, so if that's a little weird, my apologies. And uh, thought I should let you know that the morning after we recorded this week's episode, December 18th, 2015, a new teaser uh, went up from Showtime for the new season of Twin Peaks uh, coming in 2017. So if you want to go check that out, which you might, especially if you're listening to this right as I put up this episode, um, go find it on YouTube or something or check David Lynch's Twitter. He put a link up there. Mark Frost, too. It's pretty, it'll be pretty easy to track down. And it doesn't seem particularly spoilery if you're concerned about that. It's just kind of like, hey, Twin Peaks is coming back. I've added enough extra runtime to this show. Enjoy. Diane, it's 7.28 p.m. Welcome to another episode of Twin Peaks Peaks. My name is Ashley Brandt. My name is Matthew Olson. And we're going to be talking about Double Play, a.k.a. episode 21, a.k.a. episode 14 of season 2 of Twin Peaks. A.k.a. not not super great, but with like a couple endearing moments. I wrote them down, so they're real. They exist. You know. Okay, we'll get to those. Yeah, we're back in the in the in the old in the old recording studio, back in my bedroom. <laughs> back in the uh, we've got some great soundproofing up on the walls, namely my jackets hang on one side of the room, mm-hmm. and. Uh, now we can see each other because rather than sharing one microphone and sitting in the same place, aka my bed, you're sitting in a chair across from me, which means I can see that you're just looking at your phone and I do not believe <laughs> that you're looking at anything that's relevant to the episode. I am, but you can believe what you want to believe. I want you to I want you to show me the phone. <laughs> I'm looking at the filmography of okay. the person who directed okay. this episode. Because there was a glint in your eyes as you looked down as though you were just on Twitter. <laughs> and Is that a distinct glint in my eye, my Twitter glint? Well, it's the it's the light blue of the app reflecting <laughs> off of your cornea. Um, Sounds about right, really. Well, while you're on your phone, what's up? While you have access to the World Wide Web, why don't you um, jack in and tell us? Is there any is there any revival news this week? Has Showtime confirmed anything besides Kyle McLaughlin's contract? The answer remains no. I should have counted how many weeks it's been since there's been news to like drop like that bomb. <laughs> Technically, there's like never been news. <laughs> no, there's been news. I mean, there was there was sad news that has impact on. That's true. On the show, um, once, and I feel like there was another thing. I mean, well, I mean there was shooting starting, so we had yes. that. 
Yes. Yeah, we had we had visual confirmation of them making Twin Peaks. In we fact. did. So that was that was a while ago. And feels like a lifetime ago, and mainly because we're watching this show one episode at a time, and it's in its dying throes now. Yes. Yes. If anyone is following the other thing that pops up when you look at Google News and search for Twin Peaks, um, there are indictments for that that bar fight in Texas. So, so there you go. There's there's your Twin Peaks update. Oh, indictments happen. And someone mashed up the Twin Peaks theme with Britney Spears's "Every Time." <laughs> That's I need, to need, I need to check that out. It's good. Can I play it? No. Oh. We don't have permission to play that. Are we sure? Presumably, we would want permission from the person who made the mashup. Can we? Okay, let's put that on the the list for next week. We can link it for sure. Okay. Yeah, but we'll look into it. If you if you're too lazy it's to follow good. a link, it's like pretty. It's pretty pretty on point. Look, that's my second favorite Britney Spears song. So that song is I'm really good. Have you seen out. the video? No, but I've seen Spring Breakers, which you know that's that's like kind of what the video is <laughs> okay but the video is very like the video is like peak mid to late 2000s aesthetic and like britney spears like directly addressing and or foreshadowing her break weird this is like the hmm. post justin timberlake mm. post crimea river yeah i cheated on you Hmm. I'm going through some stuff. It's hard being a celebrity. I'm going to sink into this bathtub. Who do you think, what Twin Peaks character is Brittany most like? Okay. <laughs> Laura. Okay. Okay. But do you think like different eras of Brittany correspond, map to different characters? Yeah. So 2007, Brittany, 100% Laura. Uh-huh. Okay. Um. So if we're talking like the Justin era Brittany maybe maddie like more wholesome mm -hmm. kind of got a little bit of an edge to her it's awakening um now now just current britney okay robo britney donna donna there's also there's a shelly in there there was like maybe around slave for you was the shelly era okay because i think fresh on the scene hit me baby one more time britney spears gersten hayward <laughs> <laughs> just gonna put that out there just like fresh on the Love scene it. here to here to play a song for you <laughs> yeah um okay let's talk about double play where to begin you tell me i hated everything that happened in this episode all right great place to start uh this has been twin peaks peaks you can uh have i already made that joke have i made the <laughs> yeah, joke where we so. end the episode super early <laughs> god i'm gonna make it 10 more times Why um not? no uh let's start i'm just gonna not even i'm not even looking at my my notes i'm using the force i'm using the power of recollection and diving deep into my mind's eye out of my own body, back in through the eye to my brain parts, and I'm going to talk about... Do you need me to vamp for you? No, I'm. this is the process. This is the diving process. And I have divin... Yeah, I've divin into... <laughs> into uh, what, what are Andy and Dick Tremaine up to this week? God, I just don't care. 
Okay, well, you're going to have to say something other than that. Otherwise, we will end the podcast early. I know. And you'll have... I will... I will this is bad. I, I will take a Snapchat as I... As as you walk out into the rain out of my apartment, and then I just slam the door. Um, <laughs> and it would be really good content. Anyway, Andy and Dick. Uh, Andy... Not starting his his presence in the episode off super strong with the dumb like glove gag, like just like unnecessarily slapstick. Um, and Lucy's Lucy has had enough, and so calls in our old <laughs> our old friend who's everywhere and who has a lot of screen time this episode, Doc Hayward, to set yes. things set the record straight. Where has he been? Uh, well, it's still everywhere, just everywhere all the time. Um, and Hayward's pissed. Hayward is just like, this is fucking stupid. You two are being complete idiots. Let me tell you the tragic story of this young boy who tried to save his parents from a burning car wreck. Um, is that a breach of confidentiality? Yeah, like that's like very illegal. But like that's- the circumstances of their death might have been public record. That could have been public record, but if that if he is also sprinkling in details that were told to him in confidence, whether it's like under the doctor patient confidentiality, um or like crime scene investigation. Also, like how does he know this? Well, uh okay. Rewind your brain to a minute ago when I reminded everybody that Doc Hayward is everywhere all at once. He is yeah. he is omnipresent. Yeah. Are owls everywhere in Twin Peaks all the time? Yes, they're always watching. Also, who's that on the branch next to the owl? <laughs> oh, it's Doc Hayward. Hello. How's it going? Have you seen Pete? I assume you have because you're everywhere at all times. But where's Pete been? And then we get Pete later this episode. We do. We do. For a split Pete. second. Um, It's a pretty long scene he's in. Split second. We get a split second of good Pete. Really good Pete. That's the only Pete primo, that I digested. Primo so. Pete. Um, hot dogs. I forgot the hot dogs. <laughs> Enter Catherine. We forgot the weenies. <laughs> Thank you, Jack Nance. That is one moment of the episode I liked very much. And then there's a bunch of dumb shit with Andrew Packard. Anyway, little Nicky is the devil. Lucy doesn't believe Dick and Andy. No one should believe Dick and Andy. They're oh, I was already done convincing. talking about that. They're not very convincing. I was already done with that. I just want to be comprehensive. We're not. A, we're not a summary. Are we not, Mom? Are we a summary? Don't answer that, Kathy. <laughs> don't. Just don't. Um, My mom's gonna be here in less than a week. <laughs> I forgot that that happened in the episode. <laughs> what (laughs) (laughs) nothing don't worry about it okay um little nicky's not even in this episode he's just talked about which is god always the most compelling television talking about someone who's not in the room yeah yeah um (laughs) says me of a show where the whole thing was who killed laura palmer and are they around (laughs) so what was laura up to anyway (laughs) yeah um she's dead let's focus on her story the entire time (laughs) i guess it is compelling tv just not when it's a little boy who bad things happen around um 
I don't even know if Dick gets any lines. He's like in the room being talked at by Doc Hayward and then nothing. I got I feel like he said something. But like what? I don't know. I don't even know. I try I not know. to. It wasn't say great. Something. I know what Pete said and then Catherine's like Aren't you curious about how I did all these things? And Pete was like, uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Which is like the most, like, Pete as audience stand-in. Yeah. Like, I guess I was curious because no one cares about Catherine's storyline no, right now. No one. Nobody. Piper Laurie, you used up all your goodwill. And now, oh, who's this guy? Who, Who's this guy just hanging out in your parlor? Oh, right. The guy who, who Hank kill the vagrant to try and kill and then <laughs> failed at that <laughs> failed utterly hank's another person who's talked about this episode who's not there because he's he's in the fucking hospital because nadine put him there a redwood named nadine a the redwood coming named back nadine. to me now there you go Shit. there you go <laughs> that's <laughs> actually i actually i i love how this is the episode where i think I think everybody else is in on the joke and Hank just gets shit on from every, whenever Hank is mentioned, it's like, well, we're going to book him because he screwed up. <laughs> uh, he, he done fucked up his life again. Um, and he's just so bad at being the bad so guy. Bad. Has Andrew Packard been behind those doors the whole time? Those doors that were visibly doors. We, uh, we already asked that question if he was hiding in the walls the whole time. And I think our answer was definitely yes, 100%. Remember, because we said Andrew watched. Andrew knows how the fish got in the percolator. In fact, it might have been him. That's true. I want to believe that, like, Pete has been walking by those doors for the past 18 months. And Catherine was just like, there's nothing in there. Don't go in there. And Pete sees people moving around. He hears Andrew Packard playing records. Don't bother yourself with going behind those doors, you loud. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Try to do my best, Piper Laurie. Not coming out great. I'll stick to David Lynch from now on. Um, yeah, I just like. So they're like, "Hey, we're gonna make this Andrew Packard thing more of a thing." And this comes at a point in the episode when they've already been like expositioning about other plot lines. Mm-hmm. But then they like sh- do the reveal right after that, like Eckert's in town, and it's. Just, <sighs> what are you? What are you staring at? I'm just making sure we're recording because I can see the screen and you can't. Yeah, we're recording. Okay. Just it's happening. There's audio. Just it's checking. very soft audio. Okay. That is and why it I looked can... like we weren't. Yeah. Well, don't worry. Some insights, some behind the scenes. Behind Imagine, the scenes if you will, listeners, a waveform that is not very big and intimidating. That's what our voices look like in data form this week. And I will have to boost them in post, and that might be a problem. Oh, well. Do you use the voiceover effect? No. I recommend it. Mm. Makes your audio sound better. It's really good for voices. I'll look into it, but no guarantees. Okay. We like to do things old-fashioned here. <laughs> That's why we have these creaky mic stands and... Uh, <laughs> That's a fucking lie. We don't do things old fashioned. This is the first time I've been able to like actually like have eye contact with you. I think since we like started the podcast, yep. mm-hmm. and it just means that I can tell every time you get distracted. <laughs> we might have to go back. <laughs> you, you're like I can't. I can't do all of the important things I did on my phone before. 
What do you want to talk about next? Since you hated this week's episode so much, I want you to unpack some of that. Okay. Well, and, and really get to the, the the heart of the matter. Um, Do you think that Andrew Packard and Catherine are in an incestuous relationship? Okay. Did you get incest vibes? No, but this isn't about me. This is about you. You, I said, unpack something, and then you immediately turned a question on me. So now you have to tell why you arrived at that question. She, like, strokes his cheek. It looks very weird. They seem very, like, grown-up, like, children in the attic to me. Okay. I like that as a prequel for them. Oh. I mean, I wouldn't watch it. <laughs> I wouldn't watch a prequel or a sequel or a sidequel involving Catherine pretty much at all. Have you read Children in the Attic? No. Flowers in the Attic. That's what it's called. I thought you were. But yeah, no. The one, the, the attic one. It's fucking yeah. weird. Well, okay. Okay. Um, right off the top of my head, my phone has been auto-correcting Wyndham Earl to Window Earl. <laughs> And I left it because I, the real big turnoff for me is Cooper's tragic backstory. Okay. I don't care. He started talking about it and my eyes just glazed over. I lost time. I woke up and we were in that scene with Andy and Lucy and Dick Tremaine and I also didn't care, but Mm. it wasn't a tragic mangsty backstory featuring a woman stuffed in a refrigerator, so the uh the overlay of of what carolyn looked like didn't do it for you like the black and white fade in overlay of her face that's just like doesn't belong in a in a usually well shot and constructed television show didn't didn't do it for you nope nope but uh that should be the uh episode art this week oh no there's better there's better things to be put this week um i also just okay Tonally, this show has done a 180. No longer a tragic comedy, dark drama, or whatever. This is like all slapstick, all gags, all the time. Hey, there's no gags in James and Evelyn's plotline. That very serious plotline that's really driving the show. Actually, there are gags in James and Evelyn's plotline. There's a gag that I actually wrote down a note about. Um, first, first observation I have, uh, Jeffrey... That's the name of Evelyn's husband, right? Yep. Sure. Let's go with Jeffrey. Which also, to to continue making links between um, uh, that plotline and Blue Velvet, Jeffrey Beaumont. There you go. Ooh. That plotline is, I'm telling you, it's just shitty Blue Velvet. It's, sh- it's shitty Blue Velvet. That's a, that's a plotline. Anyway, uh, Jeffrey looks like Steve Ballmer. You know Steve Ballmer? No, I don't. Oh, Microsoft guy. If... Trust me, mm, if geez. someone listening to this podcast knows Steve Ballmer, or no, okay, if you know Steve Ballmer, hey, get in touch. I need, I need those connects. I need those rich guy connects. Yeah. But if you know of Steve Ballmer and know what he looks like, you know that Jeffrey, in his in his bald, uh, excitable, um, kind of kind of quivering slash jiggly way, looks like Steve Ballmer. Uh, second, he makes that comment which is all but like accompanied by a wink directly to camera of we have a mutual love (laughs) pregnant pause (laughs) cars 
At which point, at which point, James Hurley should have just spun around and been like, wah, wah. <laughs> like shrug his shoulders. Um, so there's 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 a gag. I take it back. It's not a very serious plotline at all. I'm telling you. Um, but I mean, so I mean, Andrew's reveal is accompanied by by Pete's hot dog comment. So that's not devoid of comedy. Um. I mean, the tragic is the, I don't remember any gags in the tragic backstory, but once again, I do not care for the tragic backstory. Yeah, there's, there's no gags in it, but it's really, okay. What do you find more hackneyed? The fact that they decided to give Cooper a tragic backstory about a, a, a woman lost who also then like he was cheating and all, all, all the, the, the numerous ways in which his backstory is boring as hell and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. been done a million times and mm-hmm. problematic, all those things. Mm-hmm. Is that more boring or is the fact that the conceit of like the game of cat and mouse between Wyndham Earl and Cooper revolves around a fucking chess game? I'm I'm gonna give it to the tragic backstory as the most hackneyed move in this episode. Okay. One of my notes is cool body mm. from the corpse left in the office. Uh, I I think I agree. I think the backstory is worse, but I don't want to let the chess thing side. How fucking bored? How many times has it been like this man is brilliant? You know this because, because they understand chess, and he's never been beaten. <laughs> A deadly game of chess. We it's not it's not a metaphorical game. We can't even be that. No, the, instead it's looped right back around to being a literal game of chess. Like, can you can you be any more painfully obvious? I'm just thinking about all of the X Men movies now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, they should have been fucking playing shuffleboard or something. Okay, or like I don't know. Beating each other's Tetris records. Like, yeah, way more good. interesting. Yeah, 100%. Tetris is a more potent metaphor than chess. Chess is a uh, battlefield, uh, yeah, battle yeah. of wits, whatever. Tetris is about fitting in. There you go. And destroying. Oh, are you talking building. about X-Men? No. Okay. No, I'm just talking about Tetris as metaphor potential. Okay. You in can general? take it in any number of directions. Yeah. That was, like, yeah. like kind of good for X-Men. Also, also... Put it in Twin Peaks because what? It's set in 1989. The Game Boy is fucking hot as shit. It's new. You know Cooper is traveling with two things. It's a tape recorder and a fucking Game Boy with Tetris in it. It's of the times. It's hip. It's radical. The teens are into it. It means <laughs> Twin Peaks will skew with a low with, with a with a younger demo. It'll Could be really saved great. the show. You've already got sexy teens on the show. Sexy so teens. just put some sexy games in it. Was this around the time that those mysterious arcade games were popping up in Portland? Do you know the ones I'm talking about? No. There was like um, a whole thing. Thinking Sideways, another Portland podcast, has an episode about them. If you like spooky stuff, listen to that show. In any case, allegedly, these arcade games showed up. And this was in the era where like brands would just like test shit in a marketplace and then just like never talk about it. Like Mm -hmm. they would just like debut like a a weird flavor of soda in a town in iowa and then just like never bring it out never talk about it again yeah so there were these arcade games showing up in like arcades around portland um and allegedly like people were having seizures and they were like 
cognitively affected by the games like had memory problems and like sleeping problems i have heard like i've that. heard of this urban legend before i haven't heard it associated with portland yeah um, it was in portland is it verifiable or they're just people who like remember this they're just people who talk about it okay um but anyway point being that could re- replace the chess set yeah, a, a seizure-inducing video game pops up and would be that would yeah. be such a better storyline. Just like ah, oh, we just buried Laura Palmer and Leland. Like <laughs> this has been fucking rough. What's this game at the Double R? Ooh, I was Who gonna put, put it at the this Great there. Northern. No, Ben Horn wouldn't let that shit fly. He like if a video game but so Audrey, much as like takes over his business. I'm assuming this would also be a plot line where Ben doesn't become a crazy confederate. Okay, got it. Got it. um, (laughs) If Ben Horn saw so much as a Super Nintendo, I guess, well, I guess it would have been a regular Nintendo then. A regular Nintendo. (laughs) An OG Nintendo. If he saw a Nintendo Entertainment System in the double R, he would probably put out a cigar on it. And then, like, go out back with Jerry and smash it with hammers. That is probably true. Um, But you can set up the corpse at the game like at the arcade actually, game and get the same impact you know i'm thinking actually might be the reverse because think of think of think of like the the uh like video games could be another thing to like illustrate ben's immaturity and like scumminess is if he was like you know a 50 year old man who's really yeah, into video no, games no i think that's more yeah. compelling 100 percent. yeah hmm. Hmm. could be a pinball game Oh, you know Jerry has a fucking pinball collection. Let's talk about Jerry because fuck, fuck the whole plot line. Audrey calls with back the, up with the with the Confederacy and winning the war and stuff. And I have, I have more more construct or like substantive points to say about that. But hey, at least you got some David Patrick Kelly. Am I right? At least he walks hey. in and he's also not down with this situation. He's like, what are you doing? Like, you're helping my brother live this out. I'm not convinced the moment I walk in the door, which is like the first time anyone in like a string of episodes has been not convinced by something when they've walked in and seen it. That's true. Uh, Jerry actually sowing some good sense when everybody else in Twin Peaks has been like, well, Jacoby said that if we just let him do it, you know, he'll get better. Oh, God. Yeah. Jacoby's there. Jacoby's the worst. Jacoby, like... But he's in a look. He's, like, one of the only looks in this episode. <laughs> you think that's a look? I think that's a look. I I think I think there's always automatically minus three look points because of the dumb 3D glasses that are just, like, the dumbest, quirkiest character trait ever. But uh, I like the, the paisley jacket. Yeah, the floral jacket, the pink, the fabric. I like it. It's a look. Too bad that he's like, hey... Let me sing fucking Dixieland here and get Ben to wave the Confederate flag around. This is super, super good from so many different angles. Um, Psychiatry. We we brought this up before. Well, one, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pat dumb, like, plotline revolving around uh, uh, therapy and psychiatry that, like, kind of, like, you know, Jacoby is there. And I don't think, it's not quite played just for, like, oh, what a bad therapist like also he kind of like gets results like there's kind of supposed to be the mystique around jacoby and that's why he like walks around so weird and all that Mm -hmm, stuff is like mm -hmm. he's not just incompetent which is bad because then it means all the things he's doing sort of like all the things that cooper will do are like in a roundabout way justified when jacoby's actually just the worst and what results has he gotten what are you referring to is it stuff that's to come 
Um, I guess. Well, I guess there's one big failure in which the, he's not been able to help Audrey's brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like kind of looked at as a quack. But like, uh, for example, when he goes under the reversion therapy, like mm-hmm. that with like the the crystal being held at his feet and all that stuff, oh, yeah. like that's actually effective because it helps in in whatever small way it helps him recall the events that night and eventually that does link up like 100 percent factually with the events of that night so that's that's my like my like salvo um and so jacoby walks in the room is like yeah i mean we should let him act out this fantasy it's like that's bullshit no one would ever say that no real practitioner would ever be like yep it definitely seems like the best thing we should do is let him continue to build this fucking sprawling diorama probably not eat probably not take breaks except for to have gross sex with Catherine when we're not looking yep um but no jacoby says it's fine so it's chill um the only psychiatrist for 200 miles so uh, gotta follow his advice gosh do you think laura was ever in those those meetings and was just like i need to just everything would be better if i just left twin peaks yeah because this is what yeah. i have for help yep I have this, or I go talk to my orchid boy. <laughs> I go talk to Dustin Hoffman, the, <laughs> the orchid boy, and let him read my diary like a creep. Those are my two outlets. Cool. Yeah, things are going to go bad for me. I came really close to choking. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you eat your food for the damn fine food segment while we're recording the podcast, and you I'm coming with this fire. That. It's true. It's true. Um, also, everyone can hear you crinkling the bat. No, stop it. Stop it. Our moms listen to this. We we owe them that much. Just ta- right, just take right. the, just take the package out of the bag. It'll be over. It sounds bad, but just get it over with. We're gonna do the food segment now, but just like okay, go go go. Okay, <laughs> drop it. Drop it on the floor. Great. Cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't even know what's funny. <laughs> it kind of hasn't helped because it's still got that wax paper in the bottom. And this is just kind of like an audio prison for me because I can hear it coming from where you're sitting and also right in my ear. So it's like I'm trapped between two people crinkling. This is not giving me like ASMR or anything. Like, <laughs> there we go. Now it's just the soft sounds of you chewing. <laughs> uh, this week on Damn Fine Foods, um, Ashley and I just wanted some some waffle fries <laughs> from Burger Burgerville here in town. Uh, but also, when uh, Norma uh, goes to sit down with Ed at the Double R, uh, Norma brings an extra helping of potatoes, mm-hmm. and uh, you got large waffle fries, so that's an extra helping of waffle fries. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I got two cheeseburgers. That's an extra helping of why am I eating this much meat? <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway, what do you give it? I give it like a real damn fine. Yeah. In fact, this is the highlight of the seasonal side order rotation. Mm-hmm. Oh, those rosemary fries? Pretty good. But sorry, they're not the golden Yukon waffle fries. Mm-hmm. They are just, they don't stack up. Burgerville. You nailed it. You should have these available all year round. Ooh. And uh, 
I think I think there should be waffle fries at the double R. If there are not waffle fries at the double R in the revival of Twin Peaks, I'll be disappointed because they had 25 years to figure that shit out. You'd think they'd solve waffle fries. That's true. That's waffle true. fries, pie, and coffee. Perfect trio. The holy trinity, you might say, of foodstuffs. I just realized my parents have never been to Portland in winter. They have never had these waffle fries. And your parents love Burgerville. I know. They have so much to look forward to. Oh my I gosh. feel like the only side that they've had is the fried asparagus. Yeah. Which is fine. But Those like pretty good. Burgerville is on point with their oh, sides. But also the onion rings. Those are really good. Yeah. Those are all damn good. <laughs> this week's episode has been brought to you by... No. Uh... <laughs> uh... God, we need a sponsor, though. We need a sponsor to feed this waffle fry habit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> to pay for a hosting. <laughs> Moving right along. We should <laughs> we should open a, uh, a uh, fundraiser to host the podcast, but then only send the links to our moms. <laughs> Stop. Uh, that seems like a that seems like a Bobby Briggs level uh, scheme right this is, there. This is the wrong episode to pitch a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, episode two more like. Um, let's talk about Bobby. Bobby and Audrey like at the top of the episode are scheming, and then like Audrey does the the ice cube melt bit, and it's like mm-hmm, still kind mm-hmm. of flirty. And Bobby's yeah. like, "What about Shelly?" And Audrey's like, "Finally, someone cares about Shelly." F- yeah, right. Especially with what ensues. Mm-hmm. um and audrey's like who cares it's like but also like what's your angle here like like what is bobby actually bringing to the table in terms of helping you rein in this situation and you're clearly like not actually that attracted to him like it's not like that's a factor here you just need a warm body and bobby briggs is there is that what all this is i think she just needs a minion yeah i'm sorry that i used the word minion yeah now I'm just thinking of she's a henchman. I'm thinking of Bobby Briggs with goggles on and just just mm. overalls. It's a good look. Anyway, uh, what do you think about the horror movie scene? The scene that was that was just out of a horror movie. That was pretty wild. I was very scared for Shelley. T T B H. Oh right, because it's all new to you. Yeah. Yeah, I was scared for Shelley. Um, Eric Deray, like kind of delivering some spooky some spooks um really confused cognitively by how this could be justified uh from a medical standpoint his miraculous recovery i guess like weirder shit has happened mm-hmm. um but like partial recovery because he's still not yeah. all there but yeah. he can go around locking all the doors and then like planning a really good gotcha with the wheelchair he has some some really on point fine motor skills for someone who hasn't moved in like a month yeah. No, it's been like two weeks. I don't even know. It's been like two weeks. <laughs> what even is time in Twin Peaks? <laughs> um, kind of a real question. Uh, they did also make Shelly the damsel in distress in like a pretty unnecessary way. Like I get that she would be like afraid of her ex-husband and like rightfully so because mm-hmm. he's been like very violent towards her. But also like she should be able to just like run away from him. Yeah, I think it would have been more interesting if it had not gone down the road of, like, Bobby comes in and then interrupts and then, mm-hmm. like, still, like, Shelly does stab Leo, so, like, mm-hmm. exerts power in that way. But, like, it was a really great use of the set that they've had since the first episode to mm-hmm. have Shelly go at the plastic 
uh, sheeting with the knife. And mm-hmm. it would have been more interesting, I think, to just have her run off into the night. Like, rather than put Leo in distress by having him just run off into the woods, like, yep. where's Shelly at? Because I care yes, more about Shelly. Yes, that would have been much um, better. It would be still bad if it was like, and then Shelly meets Wyndham Earl. Oh, um, that's true. But, you know. But then that gives Bobby and Audrey something to do besides oh, this harebrained scheme in the Great Northern. Yeah, rather than have Bobby just be kind of like a minion, which kind of like isn't great for like... Bobby was having real character development, but in those scenes with Audrey, he's just a dude. He's mm-hmm. just around, which mm-hmm. sucks. Um, yeah, they could... Look, Audrey's been some shit. She could go find Shelly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's write this show. Fuck the, fuck the writers 25 years ago. Give us that job retroactively. Yes. Um, Give me more Don Davis. <laughs> well, we get some this episode. Uh, but on the note of the horror movie scene, the music's real bad. Mm-hmm. Like, the music is, like, bad, like, almost MIDI samples and, like, keyboard synths. That, like, doesn't fit with the rest. It sounds like, like like angelo forgot to score that scene and then like got it done in like five minutes uh because it sounds really rough and then it kind of like fades into like one of the like you know pat scary themes the one that kind of like the Mm -hmm. uh, with the like the kind of like almost like wind like uh you know Mm -hmm. undertones of it Uh, and i'm like but that now sounds bad because it just kind of like faded in off of like this bad mm-hmm. like horror movie stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then one other thing, the shot of the torn plastic, great shot, good, like well framed, like good, powerful image, whatever. After Bobby's been like after after Leo's been stabbed and Bobby's had the axe up to his neck or whatever, uh, they show that shot, and then they cut to bobby and shelly and that's where it should have cut to the commercial break but then they cut back to the shot of the plastic and it's Mm -hmm. zoomed in and it's like low quality because it's like clearly just been cropped yep and it's bad tv it's bad filmmaking it's bad editing what have you like we've already seen the powerful shot it had its impact don't go back to it for no reason and then fade to commercial like did they skim the production budget on the back end Oh, I don't know. There's some ways we could find out. We should look into this. We should. Um, I feel like they wouldn't have reason to because it didn't start performing super poorly until the spring. Actually, you know, I'm fairly certain the answer has to be no because how else are they able to make Ben's stupid Confederate diorama? Well, maybe that's what the money for editing came out of. Mm, Or the other way. The money for that came out of the editing budget. Right, 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 right. Yeah, we need we need more little toy soldiers. <laughs> Pay this dude less. Give him less time. <laughs> Say you have to edit the episode in six hours. Have fun. No B roll footage. Just crop it. It's fine. Just, Make just, it look different. Just crop it. You know what? Throw some effects on there. We have computers for this now. Just make it look real bad. Hey, can you fade in Carolyn's face on half of this shot just because we think the audience is too dumb to realize that Cooper is talking about, is is remembering a person? (laughs) (laughs) uh, Cooper's talking about, like, how beautiful she was. Do you think you can just get some, like, stock footage of a pretty lady? (laughs) A pretty lady? (laughs) Um, God, yeah, it's... 
at least it's not you know it's not little nikki thought bubble bad but it's pretty bad it's up there they really only started doing this stuff on the back end yeah no, they kind of did with like putting laura's face over donna's donna's also in this episode right but that's like one of those lynchian like spooky things like that's disconcerting in the way it's used like but it's also done kind of bad it's yeah i'm not saying it looks good but i think i feel like it one i don't want to go too far down the track of like they know it looks bad so that kind of like enhances it but it's at least being used in a more interesting way no yeah i'll give you that a thought bubble is dumb the here's the woman i remember like black and white faded dumb the disconcerting face swap stuff is like super spooky um there's this great uh it's topical comes out in like an hour i don't know uh star wars oh there's a pretty on point it's it's very like heavily you know referential towards twin peaks as anything else in, in lynch's uh catalog there's a what if david lynch directed star wars trailer that someone oh, cut shit. and they do that face swap thing and i think they actually end up in the trailer they just like face swap with bob or something <laughs> um but it's like done just as shitty uh mm-hmm. which is like i think one of the the like key this will be this will be another link we'll link it with the with the mashup so many but links. it's like that that kind of use of the special effect or like fading in the white horse which like looks better because it's like a soft fade in but like also mm-hmm. just like it's there you're not expecting that and then it's gone like that kind yeah. of like punch or like Mulholland drive just rounding the corner from the diner and uh, then boom like you know yeah that it's not like a quite that one's a jump scare that is a jump scare but the other ones are like you know just kind of like quick in and out of like let me jolt you into some other like other mood um which is like effective. also like the tiny people in Mulholland Drive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like those are Spooky. super effective, um, and a good way to use your special effects if you're if you're gonna do that, rather than just be like, "Oh, Cooper's sad." Can you tell? Can you? Oh, you can't tell. Let me just throw some more footage on top of this <laughs> to like, you know. Why isn't this show spooky anymore? Is there is there a thing in television that's like, like show don't tell, but also don't show like no i've read that imply somewhere. don't show i've read that somewhere that you like you're like dumbing down your audience if you like give them a flashback to something you've already described yeah um another thing it's is like principle uh, uh you know when you when you when you're doing comedic long form improv if you're doing a flashback almost the worst thing you can do is use the flashback to just set up what like was referenced like if you're calling the flashback it'll be 10 times better if it's not just like humor around this thing that we alluded to but if then like other things invade that flashback and it's almost like the flashback is now a totally different side story and then you cut back anyway um if you're just like if you're just dumping exposition like this episode goes to great lengths to do um and you're not giving anything else like you're just literally explaining why cooper's like fucked up about this and you're not there's no other insight to it either so it's like what i i can get it i get it he's sad because his partner is crazy now to get him and like you don't need to belabor the point i'm disappointed in this show are you yep 
um taylor asked me this week on the cable she was like how is it watching those episodes you haven't watched and i was like you know what wasn't missing out on a lot (laughs) uh no you were missing out on some pretty choice some pretty choice uh middle wilford (laughs) the new segment that's also Um, a gag there is a gag in that one there's yeah i mean there's a lot of gags in that one i also want to gag while watching that scene hey. <laughs> um what do you think of the commercial break they threw in the middle there like the cliffhanger commercial break is the cliffhanger when they leave Dwayne in the room with mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. that's ugh, i don't care about that i i would like if i was watching that and a commercial came on i'd be like okay well i can switch to another show now another yes. show is probably on commercials and then they'll come back and i'll be happier watching that show yeah um yeah like and then like him covered in lipstick like that's just very really dumb also also more stupid jacoby jacoby i spent 24 hours with this 18 year old and i had lots of sex (laughs) um what about his wife what about his wife okay he's in an open relationship you take one look (laughs) at that guy in his dumb 3d glasses you're like yeah yeah you're poly yeah you're you're into some you're into some not normative stuff and you know what that's okay just don't tell people uh, how their brains work you're probably not equipped to do that um i hope i hope his wife i hope that house is in her name <laughs> i hope she's like prepared to take him for all he's worth right. when the day comes right um which given his weak heart like <laughs> any day so mean of me i hate that it's I hate fine that i said that he's a fictional character it's okay um what was i is trying to muster a point about the lawnmower. Oh, okay. The middle Wilford. To take us, take us back to episode three. I think it's three. That opens with Audrey sitting down across from Cooper. Might at be. the Great Northern. Yeah. And then, like, you see that spark. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. But then we we fast forward several more episodes, and it's like you can't be. You're too young. I'm an FBI all agent. Right, all right. All okay. right. And then Cooper just being a creepy, dirty boy, like stepping forward and being like, Lana, everything like, I'm glad we had this resolved. It's like, she's just as old as Audrey. And like, now you're having this explicit conversation about like, she's really good at sex and stuff. And Cooper, rather than like being cool and restrained, is just as enamored as the other guys. And it's Mm -hmm. like, cool. Any like. We can't take we I can't take him seriously. There was just no second pass at this episode. No one was like, let's double check the characterization. Um, are distinct thoughts happening here, or did we just write a scene with a hive mind? Hey, um, remember how he was sad about his his one true love dying because of him, just mm-hmm. like mere minutes ago. Yeah now 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 he's a horn dog now he's now he's really into this 18 year old who's a widow (laughs) like he like there's numerous reasons why he shouldn't be like that way right now Mm -hmm. and of all the men in the room you'd hope that if anyone is gonna have like the resolve it'll be cooper but no no not even no um which is not interesting writing nope not Not at all where's denise what happened to her denise gets mentioned yeah. And then it's just like, oh, well, I'm still on suspension. But Denise is gone. Denise isn't there that episode. Denise, who was so dedicated to helping Cooper, 
Mm-hmm. Just peace. Just gone. Yeah. Maybe not even doing anything else. Just lost interest. Yeah. From episode to episode. I mean, this this. I mean, straight up. Last week there was nothing about the the widow Milford at all. Like there was nothing about this plot line. Mm-hmm. And then they just like, oh sheriff, we gotta come in here or whatever it is. Like the, yeah. Andy like brings us to the scene, and then we're supposed to be like, oh right, like this is happening. I guess. Like, time has passed in Twin Peaks. Like it's reasonable that like a day or two later we would get back to this, and that's like the amount of time that's passed. But also, we don't have any reason to care about this plot line. You know what's been consistent across the past few episodes? What? The little Nikki plot. Why of all of the plots would you select that one? Well, because that's the plot line about Lucy being pregnant, right? Is she still pregnant? It's a Schrodinger's box situation now. (laughs) Because the the actual dramatic import of that situation has fallen to the wayside because that plot line was taken over by what if devil boy what if boy is devil what if just imagine imagine with me do a thought experiment what if boy devil is that more interesting than like the actual like feelings and emotions of this character who's been established and is like kind of like a funny like linchpin of the show like you know let's just leave lucy to the wayside what if boy devil I like where you're going with this. Right, the rest of the season. Um, you know who else is in this scene, in this episode, doing some stupid shit? Everybody. Donna. Everybody. Donna. She leaves high school <laughs> again. She was back there. She was in it for like two weeks. She was like uh, back to just making fun of my ex boyfriend in the halls <laughs> and just kind of chatting <laughs> random people. You know, not still not giving a fuck about Laura. <laughs> And yeah, then she just walks into a bar and orders a coffee because she doesn't even have the guts to try and try and not get carded. <laughs> she conveniently runs into Evelyn, tries to throw her off mm-hmm. of the trail of that irresistible James Hurley. Yeah. And then you should see what that boy can do with a pencil. <laughs> for no apparent reason, Donna is ready and waiting when the police come to arrest james Mm -hmm. we don't have to go over what what the what the setup there is right because it's kind of it's kind of weird it's not i won't say it's outright bad but it's weird the way that they handle like in this episode showing what happens to jeffrey because they don't show it at all he just drives off in the car and you're lingering on the shot of evelyn and then there's the kind of like half-hearted spooky attempt at having the car crash sounds play mm-hmm. um as though to suggest like this will happen but it's not happening right now like she's not watching his car like fucking yeah. run into a ditch yeah um it's just like it doesn't play super great like it's trying to be sophisticated and so yeah he's dead now and this is like the plan all along but the only explanation i can think for donna being there is that donna knows knows bullshit so well that yeah. it just goes unspoken she meets evelyn and she's like uh excuse me <laughs> excuse me oh you're trying to you're trying to pull some bullshit on james hurley well let me tell you i have fucked up that boy's life way harder than you ever could i know exactly what your plan is i looked you up and down and i knew from the get-go what's up i'm gonna follow you home 
because I assume that that's how Donna like was there. So I assume that she, yes, yes, like that's what you're you have to assume to make it make any sense. Like Donna must have followed her, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. And we all know that Donna likes things best. Maybe stop when... at a graveyard along the way to just yell at some tombstones. <laughs> Pit stop. But we know Donna likes things best when they belong to other people. That's yeah. when Donna cares about something. Oh, uh, so do you think there's kind of like the, oh, does James belong to you now? Time to get back. Yeah. I didn't care for so long, and then I pretended to care. Maybe that was Donna's sixth sense. She realized, like, the moment James and Evelyn slept together, like, Donna's like, yes. I need to get this boy back so I can ruin his life. Spidey sense went off. <laughs> and she's like, Ed, I need, or Dad, I need to borrow the van. <laughs> Well, I guess Donna got called. That's stupid. So, no, Dad Ed Hayward got is also like too casual about that. Like he needs to collect his daughter. Well, he knows what's up because he's also where James and Evelyn are because he's omnipresent. <laughs> if you whatever town because they never say where it is that Evelyn lives in. Oh, they've got one one it's doctor. Literally at the just a suburb of Twin Peaks. <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, Twin Peaks has 51,000 people living in it, supposedly. (laughs) So you can have a suburb. Um, Also, like, the cops show up to, like, tell Evelyn that her husband is dead. And it's somehow implied that, like, James needs to run. But, like, this shit just happened. They haven't looked at the car to see if someone cut the brakes or, like, what's up? And how would they know it was James? When it, like, no one has yet told them that some mysterious mechanic from out of town, like, fixed his car. Donna's just, Donna's just real good at knowing when the con is on. Because Donna's been there. Donna's done that. Donna's done the dirty. Donna's, Donna's got it all unlocked. Donna's like, I know exactly how this goes. We need to leave. We need, we need you to be gone because it's better if they think you murdered someone and you're not around to defend yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's better if you're on the run. Yeah. I'm Donna. I know these things. <laughs> Donna knows a lot about murder, and she's inheriting her father's um, omnipotence. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What power do you think Gersten got? <laughs> um, the power of, like, all-knowingness, probably. <laughs> and, uh, oh, gosh. It's Gersten, um, Donna, and... Good question. No, we can't do this because you say that you used to say her thing. Harriet. Yeah. Harriet. Yeah. Harriet. Um, <laughs> I, I'm so glad I remember that because that was our tagline for so long. Um, it like still is. No, sometimes. you kind of you're kind of more on the grape train. <laughs> um, um. Anyway, I think Harriet like clearly. Um, has has time powers that's why she's so like she sees all time 100%. at once like she's not omnipresent she can't kind of sort it out she just like sees all of time spooled at once so she can't decide what the ro- what state the rose is yes. in because she also sees the rose yes. dead and she also sees the yes. rose before it as as a yes. seed uh before before it is flowered this is so beautiful um and so and then donna as the eldest is getting the omnipresence like full on mm-hmm. and then gersten gersten she's all knowing is all knowing but in an encyclopedic way okay not in an omnipotent way yeah she's got like the, the lowest grade version of it but it means that she's the best off she's the most normal she won't yeah, she won't live a life as hard as donna she's like will. the most productive <laughs> <laughs> um 
Well, yeah, she's also the star student. Like, Harriet's off writing fucking poems, and Donna's off ruining lives, and Gerson's like, I'm doing really great at school. I'm in the next play. Look at me. I know how to do piano and song and dance. I'm really cool. Look at this Look at this dress that I've got. I'm the best. And you're only going to see me in one episode. Beautiful. Honestly, this show would be so different if they just pushed Harriet in as a main character at this point. God. It'd be like Twin Peaks, the new class. <laughs> Twin Peaks, the next generation. Oh, fuck. Harriet has a best friend that dies, except Harriet's not shitty to her. Sh- fucking shit. I mean, this could be what the revival is. Like, we've thought about this. Like, is the revival going to have new teens to, to follow? New or are we just going to be following around a bunch of, like, older pe- people? Which is, like, could be fine. But, like, yeah. I want some new teens. <laughs> that sounds gross. <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> Put that in different words. But, like, so new ca- But, like, the new- the next generation. Exactly. <laughs> like, fuck all the other spinoff ideas we have. Throw those all in the garbage. What it should have been is Twin Peaks, like, goes off the air in 1992. Mm-hmm. And then wh- whoever the showrunner for fucking Saved oh, by the Bell shit. was comes in oh, and is like, uh, hey, oh, we have a great model. Shit. Keep like three or four of the main characters around. But then it's just a new crop of teens. Just kind of like wipe the slate, but keep the setting, keep the themes, keep it all tight. Like kind of don't make the same mistakes again, but just refresh it. Just go for another round. No, dude, you got to do it Degrassi style. So there's like a, a passing of the torch mm-hmm. as well. Like the people it's, it's graduate about, and go to college. Well, no, it, no. When it comes back, it's about Donna and James's child and oh. their friends. And Donna's a teacher at the high school or James's. I don't really care. James teaches shop. There we go. No. <laughs> Donna does something. James still lives with Ed because... <laughs> Because Donna ruined his life so thoroughly <laughs> that he can't not live with his uncle. <laughs> I'm making man. James doesn't even deserve it that much at this point. Like, yeah, his plot line sucks, but like, you know, God. he's better when he's away from Donna. But like, God, oh man, it got me getting, getting real windy and rainy out there, real spooky out weather. there. Um, yeah. So James is James is better. He doesn't deserve it, but he still is the worst. <laughs> still isn't yep. great. Yep. Um, I want to look through my notes and see if I had any other sh- shining lights from this episode. Um, I already said the hot dogs thing. Um, oh, I have another look. Yeah, okay. The Eckhart lady is a look. Yeah? I think so. It's the closest we've come to a look in a while. Okay. Hmm. Also, I'm going to say three weeks of Cooper Cooper flannel outfits. Um, this one is not as good as last week's, but it's not as bad as the first week's. Are this you is... going to prepare a definitive ranking of Cooper's plaid? Is that not already done? I'm sure that's already done. You, but like, I can make my rate. I can make my ranking. Yeah, sure. I can invest time in that. Do it. It's another dumb thing to spend my time <laughs> Show on. Show me what's up. Um, I said what I had to say about the chess. Do you have any other like spotlights you want to? I got, shine on. I, got, I got nothing. Should I explain why the tragic backstory is bad? Probably. I mean, if we want to like continue uh, to claim uh, the the cred of like being smart in analyzing this show, like we did in the first <laughs> couple weeks of doing it, um, sure. I'm give sorry. us your give us your textual analysis. I, I'm be, I'm being genuine. Like we're having more fun, maybe now. 
We are. Because we get like, to like, kinda. just kind of like, we, we're putting ourselves through this and we're like, oh, this show. Ugh. But let's, let's get serious because there are okay. some serious problems with that backstory. Let's get serious. Let's start with the fact that Cooper is the way he is because a woman died. Mm-hmm. So when you see that on screen, it's usually referred to, not usually, it's, re- it's often referred to as fridging. Mm-hmm. So that is a practice that you see across most forms of media where a male character needs something to motivate them, needs a tragic backstory, needs that little kick. Mm-hmm. And the writers just decide, you know what? We're going to kill and or maim a woman because what else are women for? But giving men motivation to do other things. Mm-hmm. So there's that element. There's also just the hackneyed element. Yeah. Um, you see this in like pretty much every incarnation of every sad story about a man ever. A bad thing happened around me sucks this is the way i am now Mm -hmm. true detective yep mad men house name some more i want you to keep trying to think i'm trying to think oh it looks like you don't have that many examples because it's not that no uh Um, i'm not trying to make that but i mean it's like so omnipresent in media and it's just i'm so tired of hearing it i don't care Mm -hmm. i do not care yeah can you just be motivated by like a sense of righteousness a feeling which, of like Cooper kind of was up until when he wasn't a feeling of obligation towards others. Maybe no, a desire to like do your job. Well, no, Fucking it's financial be, gain. It's gotta be atonement. It's gotta be, it's gotta be fucked up past problems. That's, that's how you make yeah, a real a, character. You gotta, gotta kill, be you gotta kill a lady. You gotta make a dude real sad. And that's how a story happens. <laughs> But, like, we say that because we're taking the piss out of it and it kind of sucks and it's lame. But I'm sure there are people who, like, preach that genuinely and think, like, that's how you make something that sells and blah, blah, blah. Which sucks. Because why? It sucks. A, why can't you just let a lady do something interesting? So here's here's something I want to bring up. Um, Spoilers for the game Fallout 4. Okay. The very beginning. Um, uh, So you can play... As a man or a woman in that game, you have, right. you have, cho- you have that right. choice. Um, and then, either way, like it's it's the conceit is that you you pick, and then the other person is your spouse. Like you don't have a choice in that matter. You don't get to choose. Like I don't even want to start this game, and I don't want to be married at all or anything. Mm-hmm. Like that's predefined. You have a spouse, and you have a son. Mm-hmm. Um, and then shortly into the game, uh, your son is kidnapped, and your spouse is killed. Right. So, for me, I played that game first time through as a woman, mm-hmm. which meant that my impetus was my son was kidnapped and my husband was killed. Like that's yeah. my character's impetus. Yeah. Which is like more interesting on its face because that's at least an inversion of the trope the other way around, yes. where it's like my wife was killed, blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, and then the game like either way forgets kind of about your spouse dying. <laughs> Like, right. like it doesn't come up that much. Like you never get like the chance to be like, I'm mad because you killed my spouse. Like you're always more invested in like your son, uh, being like kidnapped or whatever. Right, totally. Also, you can play that game as, you know, 
uh, as you, you can romance whoever you want in that game, no matter what gender you you decided to, to right. pick for your player character. So like you're just in a in a hetero marriage ostensibly at the start of the game, and then like but then when you get to play and make choices, you it happens. You can just yeah, but so it's like it kind of forces your hand, and then it's like but nah though like you can like you can... forget about that if you want, <laughs> but it's still there. You like you can't take that away. But then I tried to start a game, a, a second game, playing as a guy. Uh-huh. And I made my guy real fucked up and ugly <laughs> because I didn't, like, wasn't taking it seriously. Right. But then I sit through the opening moments of the game right. again. And literally, because your spouse gets killed in a cryogenic chamber, mm-hmm. my player character's wife is fridged. Yeah. Because she's killed. Very literal. Uh huh. And then resealed the cryogenic chamber. And I was just like, I don't want to fucking play this game where I'm like the guy on the out on the prowl with a gun because uh, my wife died. Like and but there are people who just like that's the only time they're going to experience that thing. Like I have not encountered in media something where it's like you have actually the choice of like do you want to subvert this trope or not. Right. Um and I think it is more interesting when you do. Like you can always say the thought experiment or like when we say like I would rewrite re- rewrite Twin Peaks to be like this. Mm-hmm. But like there's an opportunity there to actually be like no, I do think this one is objective. I yeah, I've made no, the choice yeah. to have this different version of the story. Mm-hmm. And like that is such a common trope that like why aren't people like actually always having alarm bells go off when they do that? Like Should. shit. I'm doing that thing again. I have a choice now. Mm-hmm. Like this is this gets back to we don't no one gets a pass for getting this doing this stuff like ever. Yeah. For being hackneyed. Even if the execution is like better or interesting or whatever, it's like they still made that choice at the end of mm-hmm. the day. And it's a lame choice. Um so if you play Fallout 4 as a dude, it's a lame choice. Yes, lame, man. lame as hell. Yeah. But make your own story better. Yeah. There Everyone, whatever in whatever context, should be trying to make better stories, not that the same is story. That is one hundred percent true. That is one hundred percent true. Yeah, I'm gonna make a list of all of the dead wives on TV. Don't. That's probably on TV tropes, right? Yeah, I'll look it up now. <laughs> I don't want this to become the TV tropes podcast, but like, but it's super important. Like, I want to prove a point. So here we are. Yeah. Um. But like, I mean, like, like, is it, do people, if you're listening and you've never heard of fridging before, do you understand why it's wrong? It's like hard for me because it's like so obviously wrong to me. But I also know until it was pointed out to me, it was just like, oh yeah, like that's, that's what you do, right? It's in, like almost invisible. Yeah. Um, because it's so prevalent. Well, it's like, it is, it is parallel to, or hand in hand with objectification, only it's it's the plot pointification. It's the this yes. this character yep. is brought in and it's sort of their whole point is to be like they are the the love interest of such and such and then the only function they serve like they don't get characterization they don't get complex yep. depth or backstory um, they are they are a part of somebody else's backstory and then they are killed like yes you know and the the conceit of the female character I mean you just said that. But this, but the conceit of the female character is to make the male character more interesting. Mm-hmm. It's really lazy. Yeah. Like, ima- ima- imagine how interesting this show would be. Imagine a show where you uh, you spend a whole season getting to know your male lead or whatever. 
And then the second season is all told through flashback where there's this woman who he's in a relationship with. And then you get to actually like spend a lot of time like getting to know that character and mm-hmm. getting to see like what her life is both like, you know, in relation to and um, out- outside of this relationship with this man. And then at the end of that season mm-hmm. that's in flashback, she dies. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, more about that guy, but you've also spent so much time developing this character. Right. Yeah. So that's may- like maybe that's not a cardinal sin. But then imagine I tell you that same story, but I don't tell you jack shit about that woman other than she was in love with him and he died and then, and then yeah. she dies and, and then he's sad. You like, spend like a lot of dialogue on like, I loved her so much. She was so important to me. But in his behaviors, he does not display any care. And then he goes or, like, and then he's a horn dog in yeah. front of the 18 year old. Yeah. Like there's like, it's not like, it's not as simple as like, oh, this, this version of the story is bad. Like, there, there's problems with it no matter what. Mm-hmm. But fridging is also when it's just, like, this one-off, like, this per- this person is just, like, purely almost exists in, 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 in dialogue to, to try to make you feel a thing yeah. about a character. Yeah. Or, and I mean, sometimes, like, the fridging happens on screen and, like, a character's development is just truncated because right. they're lower on the priority list. So let's go through, I'm on the TV Tropes page right now. Um, I also want to say Fox Mulder, his sister gets abducted. That's his whole reason. Yeah. Raison d'être. Um, I don't know what you just said. You just like, you just, you stopped English there was, and I just didn't understand any of it. That was French. Uh, no, it's like, it's just like sounds came out of your mouth. Okay. Well, his whole reason for being. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that was a dumb it joke. It actually does happen in breaking bad a fave um not for that reason but it happens in a fave yeah um problematic dexter, i think dexter actually does it in an the thing itself is bad but the way it does it the thematic book ending is like so satisfying to me and it would have been better had there been any kind of follow-through but mm-hmm. we know what happened after season four of dexter yeah and um, they just fired fired but anyone the, who but cared about, about that this. that's like that is it, it happens in that show but also that's in the fourth season like mm-hmm. we know that character mm-hmm. there are there are it's like you know there are other decisions that could have been made but at least it wasn't like hey this is the backstory or a quick like one and done of like all right now we need to like Dexter already had motive and stuff before that. Like right. he was a character who would be motivated by other things. Anyway. Yeah. No, I think that's one where I do find like the use of that trope somewhat interesting. Mm-hmm. But also Hannibal, how I met your mother. Um, it happens in how I met your mother. I don't need to know that. Actually. You know how what? that show ends. <laughs> oh my god it's the entire meta conceit of that show isn't it it is the whole ew that show. isn't that gross ew um <laughs> i'm seeing a bunch of like set like like sub bullet points about it happening in supernatural but i don't have enough context to care about supernatural oh you don't know that show i know i got some tumblr links for you i know I've you're not a super you're not a super hulak fan are you not what are you not da- a bit why i left tumblr (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're so much better than tumblr so much better than tumblr you're just like you're not like other millennials (laughs) exactly 
Um, this is not an exhaustive list. TV trope. TV trope. So you're gonna go edit this later? Yeah, I am. Oh boy. Um, but it happens in like, I mean, it originally happened in like the Batman franchise. You can just, you can just, uh, listeners. It happens a bunch listeners, in X Men. Just like, on your drive to work or something, uh, or like you know while you're just like staring up at the ceiling while you try to fall, you f- furtively try to fall asleep at night, like. Just, they're, Furtive? No. Futile? Anyway. Furtively. Um, What does furtively mean? That's a good question, but it sounded right. Sure. Let's go with that, English major. (laughs) Um, uh, As you stare up at the ceiling, uh, praying for sleep to fall upon you, think... The Walking Dead. Yeah. Think about all the... Just go through all the things you've seen or read and think about the time that this think about whether or not this happened and the answer the the, the number will, that comes to you will probably surprise you it's or true. not or you already know about this and you're like yeah it happens a ton and i don't mm, like it you're like ashley and matt did a really bad job talking yeah about they should have had more examples prepped <laughs> well we kind of winged it anyway um and then leo meets uh Wyndham Earl. end of episode moving on hey. i just wish this episode was more spooky I wish a lot of things, but more spooky would have been good, too. I was just so excited by the corpse, like, honestly. Yeah, okay. You might want to, you know, I don't, I don't there need was some. A, there was so much promise. I, I don't need some new teens, and you don't need to be excited by a corpse. Let's <laughs> just uh, <laughs> let's roll those out there. Um, okay. True Detective. That's another one. You already said True Detective. I did. <laughs> In fact, that's just a way for you to say two detective twice in one podcast. I'm on to you. You didn't forget at all. You just wanted to break the unspoken rule. Jessica Jones also does it in an interesting way. Right? Like, that's a show that I've heard. It's like subverts tropes. Like, I'm not saying, like, any example where this thing kind of happens is, like, ipso facto bad. It Mm -hmm. has to be doing something interesting for it to not be bad. Yeah, 100%. It has to give it space to breathe. It has to give it complexity and depth Mm -hmm. for it to be earned and but like by earned i mean for it to just be interesting storytelling and not just a lazy shorthand that then has all sorts of problematic associations well and it also has to actively like not be misogynist that yeah that's what that's i think that's something i think the more truncated it is the more lazy it is the more like just by virtue of it more misogynist it is like yeah you know it's it's that structural thing of like yeah. I, I I wrote this this character into being to just serve this one purpose and it's like okay so then you're just like saying all sorts of things about you know purpose of people at that point and it's gross so yeah. moving on to who wrote and directed this episode do you the, know I do okay. so the writer of this episode was Scott Frost. Mm-hmm who is exactly who you think he is. He is Mark Frost's brother. Um, some people on the um, boards, and I actually don't have any use in that stuff with me this week. Um, some people on the boards had previously been in contact with him, and he had been allegedly providing them spoilers. So Bad, bad making, practice. Making a debut here. Um, and then this was directed by a German filmmaker named Uli Edel. Mm-hmm. And Uli went on to direct Last Exit to Brooklyn, as well as Houdini, that miniseries from last year. Yeah, it has a has an extensive filmography that I looked up, um, and also uh, runs the gamut of critical reception. 
Yep. Like there's some ones that are not well received at all. And then some movies that people are like, yeah, these are really good. Um, so like, you know, think about the, like, you know, and everyone can have a different answer. That's fine. You know, you can even like, like something that we didn't like, but think about the one moment of this episode you liked a lot. And then think about all the moments you didn't like. And then just like extrapolate that out across an entire career. So, you know, ups and downs. Yeah. Just learning, learning some lessons. Yeah. Um, this episode had 8.7 million viewers. <laughs> we are now like at less than a third of what the show debuted with. Yeah. Just a fucking pathetic amount of people watching this show. If you ask me. <laughs> people these days would kill for those numbers. Yeah. Still, still crazy to me that at any point, like even, even digital, which is what matters. If a video got viewed 8 million times. That person can probably, like, fucking get a book deal. And, like, that person can probably, if they have one video viewed 8 million times, if they play their cards right, they can probably at least get a year's worth of income out of that that they can live off of. that's true. And then maybe they'll fail to, like, capture the bottle that magic. But, like, that could probably happen. Yeah. But that's just, like, that's just, like, good enough for craft mac and cheese to decide to buy ad time like yeah you know that's just good in, in 1990 the standards were different Mm-hmm. very true i just looked on usenet to see if i could implement my usual filters and kind of get us mm-hmm. something um the answer is no but i found someone asking did david lynch direct fargo and the answer may surprise you um any any other closing thoughts? Fridging episode plot stuff. I mean, I just I wish waffle I, fries. Otherwise, I wish I explained it better. Um, Don't uh, worry. Yeah, that's homework for the listeners. There listeners, we go. go go learn yourself more about these kind of lazy tropes. Yeah. Um, it's also kind of in Mad Max, but because it's not like a plot point or like. A source of character development it it's not irritating yeah yeah um okay is that is that do it i think that does it um yeah i mean we've had a couple of new folks commenting on the facebook page um <laughs> some defenders of the back end or at least defenders of like where we're going right not where we are right now yeah I Can don't you wanna... defend where we are right now? The answer should be no. I don't want to make it... I don't want to, like... Please don't have the takeaway be, like, if you like this back-end stuff, like, you're bad or your taste is bad or even anything along those lines. We have problems with it. I think, still, though, I am excited for new Twin Peaks. I am Always. excited to think about old Twin Peaks. First season, golden stuff. Uh, also, decided to talk about Firewalk with me and then the additional material filmed that did not make it into yes. Firewalk with me. Like, all that stuff, still super cool. Yes. Um, but we I would not hang out with each other for as long as we do once every goddamn week. It's so tiring to be around awesome. Ashley for this long. Ashley has to listen to me talk a bunch like, Ashley doesn't sit here and listen to men talk for as prolonged periods of time as I do on this podcast in any other situation. 
you would get up and walk out of the room. That's pretty accurate. Uh, so we're we self-sacrifice a lot to make this podcast happen because we like Twin Peaks a lot and we mm-hmm. like talking about it for your benefit. Yeah. Um, for your entertainment and edification. I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe I should really explicitly say how I feel about this because this is a first episode that I haven't watched in full. Mm-hmm. This was the first episode that was a total surprise. Yeah. So. I don't know if I can say anything that hasn't already been said. Like I said, I I did not care about anything that was happening. It was really hard to stay engaged. Um, I want better for everyone, though. I'm still, Mm -hmm. like, very invested in a lot of the characters. And I just want someone to do right by them. Yeah. I mean, you've got a great stable of characters, some of which, you know, on this watch through, we discovered that we liked more than we had in the past and that we're better. Uh, Bobby and Shelley are a great example. And sometimes in this, in these, in these episodes that you know I don't think are very great, uh, you know I've been surprised. Like, oh, like even that Pete moment, even just that classic, like we forgot the weenies. Like, oh, it's it's great to see just this like piece of fluff delivered so so hilariously by Jack Nance. Mm-hmm. Like, you know these characters, these great elements that the show started out with will still bob back up to the surface from time to time and like surprise you either humorously or with like some good acting like hey we saw eric deray like up and moving around and it points being like really scary like i think it's like one thing i we didn't mention during that horror movie scene which is just like kind of has like the calling back the 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 soap and the sock yes thing but it's rather than in a weird way but in a weird way because he just tosses it like it's because everything that's going on there is like he's doing like the saw thing of like taunting yeah um but it like you don't see him with the socks right like there's just like poor execution how how did that happen right but the decision to not just like repeat that but then like escalate it or or escalate it's just like the the just the the the, the limp toss of it is almost more unsettling because you're like he's not entirely there like this is like he's doing this bad thing to like there are interesting choices that come up and interesting moments of Mm -hmm. acting and funny moments and all this stuff that comes up but we just can't set aside the fact that a lot of this isn't very good so um we should make a super cut of everything every moment worth watching after the review i wonder how long that would be after arbitrary law um but uh and, and if you disagree with us or if you have a different idea or anything, you can comment on the Facebook page. Just do it. Yeah. Comment. Yeah. And like it mm-hmm. and share it and share the <laughs> podcast and get us more listeners so we can get that sweet, sweet Burgerville sponsorship. Um, I don't know how long the waffle fries are there for, but you should get them while they're good. Uh, I'm Matt Olson. You can listen to me on another podcast called Can You Get to That? Uh, that can be found at can you get to that dot simplecast dot fm i make it with my friend caitlin best last week's topic uh, it's a wikipedia racing podcast we do a different topic every week and then we race to it and we talk about what we find along the way in the in the uh never-ending expanse of wiki space and this uh past week we raced to the french republican calendar mm. which is an artifact of the french revolution where they tried mm. to make a 10-day week calendar uh, where every day had a unique name associated with it. It was crazy. Um, kind of just like, kind of destined to fail project. Like the Gregorian yep. calendar was yep. pretty great and still is. Um, leap, leap days aside. Uh, and uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Matthew Olson. Spell it right, please. 
That's all. All right. My name's Ashley Brandt. You can listen to me on another podcast called The K-Hole, in which we talk about keeping up with the Kardashians, which right now, at this moment, is surpassing Twin Peaks in quality, episode to episode, if you're following along with both podcasts. Which have... you should do. You yeah. should listen to both, and you should compare the two shows, as Ashley has suggested. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, covering a lot of real shit, covering a lot of heavy shit. Um, Caitlin is a big player. Chris is very petty. These names are going to mean nothing to a lot of people listening right now. It's okay. We are here to guide you through. And they can find that at? It's called The K-Hole. You can find it on iTunes, but you can also find us on Simplecast and Facebook and Twitter. Lots of places. I made new art. It looks really good. And it's showing up in the iTunes directory now. Cool. So you make that one with our friend Taylor. Yeah. And then you do another podcast. I do. And it's called Yeah, I've Seen That. And our Grizzly Man episode is finally up. And we're going to be recording an episode in which we talk about Room. Not The Room. Uh-huh. But Room, which is a yeah. 2015 film starring Brie Larson. Okay. If you ever want to record an episode about The Room, I have a signed copy of that movie. Signed by Tommy Wiseau. All right. Uh... He was weird after he spoke to me and our mutual friend, Lucas. We, we, we met Tommy Wiseau together. Ooh. After he spoke to us, he started hitting on some girls. Of course he did. But like in the way you would expect where it didn't right. really make any sense. Like right. you could tell he was hitting on them, but you it's like nothing you've ever seen before. All right. Isn't there James Franco's making like yeah. a movie based on like the making of the room? Yeah. And he's playing Tommy Wiseau oh but oh shit who oh my god josh hutcherson is playing josh hutcherson of the hunger games is playing denny <gasps> yeah yes. and there's a picture of him from set with the denny hair <laughs> and he looks so hilarious if you know who josh hutcherson is if you've seen the onion review of the second hunger games movie comparing the cuteness of the boys in pon m you think of josh hutcherson with this awful like just bad bad like Richie Rich side character haircut, flop part down the middle, like incredible. Yeah, just that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, In any case, (laughs) (laughs) we were supposed to end the episode, weren't we? Is there any other project that you're involved in? I can't even barely keep track these days. (laughs) That's what I'm working on right now. I have um, I want, I have some writing stuff in the pipeline. Okay, well, Um, let everyone know. Yeah, not real stuff, just like me stuff. Oh. But uh, at, at me on Twitter if you think my mom should be a special guest next week. Okay. Send us on home. Don't forget to brush your teeth, Harriet. <laughs>